go to a restaurant, you just order the food and you eat it and someone else made it for you and it tasted really good and it nourished you, but you don't know how to make it. When you go home, you, you just have to go back to the restaurant to get more. But a cooking class, you go and you learn, you, but you're also taught how to make it. The goal of a study or a class is to not just be fed, but to learn how to feed yourself so you can teach others how to feed themselves. You're listening to For the City, a podcast of Gospel City Church. We're unpacking a simple question this season. What kind of church is Gospel City? Our lead pastor, Micah Klutnati, has set a vision for our church to be known as a family church, a missional church, an equipping church, a worshiping church, and a simple church. In a church full of different people at different stages in their discipleship who all learn in different ways, how do you offer everyone the opportunity to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? While there's no perfect way, Gospel City has found a lot of success in focusing on three different avenues for learning that can fit everyone at any stage. Today, we'll hear a conversation with Pastor Tyler Downing, Pastor Mitch Helmkamp, Aaron Harris, and Ben Hanna around groups, classes, and studies, and the role they play to make us an equipping church. We're talking about the importance of equipping through groups, classes, and studies. And I wanted us to talk a little bit about our own personal experience and kind of how we've experienced maybe Sunday school or small group in our own context and how maybe personally we've come to where we're at today. So I know, Tyler, you have a good story. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I uh, grew up Southern Baptist in Texas. You know, Sunday school model was really strong. Um, as I was moving into... Uh, I guess high school, college, uh, and started um, teaching. I was I was uh, teaching some uh, older students in high school. I remember kind of thinking there need to be some other elements in our Sunday school, um, and I was coming across some some documentation, some books that were coming out, some blogs and things like that that were trying to kind of think about how we can refocus that Sunday school hour um, and and do some things with it that we hadn't really normally done. So it was heavy on education, downloading information, content heavy. Um, and we began to include things like we called it uh, highlight low light. So the, this is seniors in high school. So we would pass around a football for the guys. <laughs> and I think like a shoe box for the girls. <laughs> and, and so when you got the football, if you were a guy, that was your highlight. Okay. And so when you talk, you talk about your highlight with the football in your hand. And then when the shoe box came by, and if you're a guy, you hold the shoe box, <laughs> that's your low light. And then it was reversed for, for the ladies. Girls? Yeah. Not stereotyping like, at all here. No, no, it was yeah, total stereo. <laughs> this yeah, was back was when we were young. <laughs> um, yeah, so just, just little moments where community into your <laughs> Sunday school time. Yeah, it was a small way, beginning of the time together, just like, hey, what's been the best moment of your week? What's the worst moment of your week? Just how are you walking into the day? How are you, you know, just just what's going on in your world that we might it's a small, simple way. We didn't say this, but it's mm. a small, simple way that we could just be bearing each other's burdens. Yeah, it's one of a, one another's that we practice in groups. So yeah, just kind of trying to infuse some of the strong education Sunday school that was so, I mean, so positive on the, yeah. the, the theological development and some of those things, but trying to infuse some other elements into it. A relational aspect yeah. in there. Very cool. Yeah. We haven't introduced the shoebox to any of our yeah. contexts. We haven't done any shoebox handing around. <laughs> Mitch, what about you? How did, did you grow up with any like a stronger group versus um, like classes or anything when you were young? Yeah, I grew up in a small inner city church and uh, maybe about 100 people. And I do not remember us having small groups. I think that was kind of new to me okay. when we came here. We, mm -hmm. we did Sunday school there. Um, but growing up, I 
I would say the the primary disciples, the primary equippers for me was was my parents. Mm. And mm. so growing up, I always saw them at the church. My dad was an elder. My mom was involved in a bunch of things. Every time I'd wake up in the morning, my mom's Bible and her studies were all over uh, the the kitchen table, and my dad was reading his Bible in his chair. And so growing up, I wanted to be like my parents, and so being like my parents meant reading the Bible <laughs> and studying the Bible, and um and and then going and and teaching it to others. And so that that's I would say that really encouraged me to to want to be like them to learn the Bible so I could teach the Bible to others. You saying one of the strongest discipleship forces in your life were your own parents, not the church? Yeah. <laughs> Wild. <laughs> and then when I was at the church, it was my parents doing that as well because yeah. it was such a small church and yeah. stuff. So. You got the both and. Yeah. Yeah. He had it at a young age. Ben, what about you? <laughs> I, had, uh, I had the full gamut. So I yeah. uh, started out in a smallish independent church. My dad was a youth pastor and then interim pastor. And so as a kid, I was involved in like Awana, Cubbies, all that kind of stuff. And then um, we went to a smaller Baptist church in my teens. And, well, I'm sorry. No, we were at a big church and um, I, I did youth group, stuff like that. And it wasn't it wasn't Bible study um, based. Okay. Uh, small church, though, uh, Baptist church, Sunday school. Then back to big church again. And then in the introduction in the late 90s, early 2000s, Small groups, so mm. I've kind of, I've kind of been in a lot of those contexts, so all the way from theological development and um, walk through the Bible, all the way to community, community, community. Mm. Mm. Yeah, my story is similar to yours, where I grew up in a very non-denominational small church. We did Sunday school, which I'm hearing Sunday school was something that mm-hmm. we've lost along the way. Mm. Most a lot of churches don't do it anymore, especially churches our size. But um, similar of like you know Sunday school with the the old church lady i just have like i could like <laughs> smell the basement right now yes uh, you know like it's got yeah bad coffee yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 and we and then when i in my teens it was all about the donuts and like there was always food um in sunday school but we did sunday school we would study god's word um and then uh groups was something i learned about well here mostly like the adult large like adult small groups but i i helped in a church i served in the student ministries in california when i lived out there and we did home fellowship with students, mm. which was one of my favorite things. It was not quite like yeah. small group. It was very like shoeboxy. <laughs> we played a lot <laughs> of apples and apples. I was <laughs> just like, are you guys doing the shoeboxy thing this week? Um, no. So just that was probably my first step into kind of understanding like group life was mm-hmm. working mm-hmm. with the students there. But um, Gospel City has been on its own journey of groups mm-hmm. and classes and studies. Um Let's see, Tyler, I think you, why don't you give us some of that history? Yeah, so I've been here about 10 years, and uh, when I arrived here, uh, there was a bit of a uh, culture shock, uh, at least in the church world. And um, one of the the things that I loved was just the emphasis on how well we try to get to know each other, try to get involved in each other's lives. We don't just sit in a room and, 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 and learn information. Um, we are, we're doing life on life. We're practicing these one another's, um, in, in groups that meet in homes and there's, there's food and there's kids and there's, um, all of that. And just loved that really, really loved that. And, um, for, for a while, our church kind of just solely did small groups Mm -hmm. that met in homes. And we would say, we are a church of small groups. And we would ask everybody, you got to be in a small group. Are you in a small group? And I still think that's a great question to ask today. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just that, 
the uh, we can broaden that out a little bit, which is cool, and we'll talk about that. Um, but what we what we began to realize, I don't know, three or four years ago, two or three years ago, yeah. something like that. Yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> a, a certain amount of time ago, we we began to say, man, we we kind of miss and have lost some of the some of the great things that Sunday school did for us, yeah. like train us yep. on how to read the Bible um, or walk through a Bible study. Um, in a way that's different than what you would do in a home group. So most of our groups, we we do what we call pulpit curriculum, mm-hmm. um, which just simply means the the pastor has preached a sermon that day, and we're going to write some questions based on that sermon and have a conversation about how to apply mm-hmm. what we've heard that morning. But another bucket of teaching is not happening in that space. Um, and so over time, when that's all we had, there was a, there was a little bit of a loss, uh, a sense of loss that we began to feel and began to sense of just biblical literacy, people even knowing what books of the Bible were about and how to read the Bible and some of the practical how-tos. Um, we, we just began to recognize we, we've, got some, we've got some room to grow in some different ways. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I remember coming here and it was, I think we would constantly repeat you know, how do you make a big church feel oh, small? Yeah. And he was like, get in a small group. Yeah. And I remember, I think, I don't even think oh, we were here a week and our was already like, I, I guess I should get in a small group. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it immediately brings you into the community and the family. Mm-hmm. And so, and I think having, you know, lived the eighties and nineties, um, churches were, you know, as the churches were, um, experiencing de-churching, uh, they were recognizing, ah, people don't feel like they belong. And mm-hmm. so I think that's when we went from the Sunday school model and started to introduce home groups into those spaces because we're like, we need a place for them to belong. But I think uh, this isn't new to us, and these contexts aren't unique to Gospel City Church. I think every church everywhere was asking, how do we how do we help people belong? And we presented an either-or option mm. of classroom environment versus a living room environment. Mm-hmm. And then so I think in these last few years, we aren't the only ones who've been wrestling with how do we do both? Mm-hmm. We've, we've seen, and as we look at other churches that we admire and partner with, they were asking the same questions. And mm-hmm. they're like, it's, it's a both and question, mm-hmm. but how do you introduce those contexts in a balanced way that people can engage? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really, my first few months at Gospel City, um, I really valued the small group. I was I was put in a really phenomenal small group who did life on life really well, but also taught the Bible in the group space. And that was really um, a healthy, a healthy space for me. But you definitely saw um, kind of that sitting in the group. There were only a few people that would want to speak up because there were only a few people that felt confident about what they were reading in the scriptures. Mm -hmm. And so it was definitely a highlight of like, there's like you're saying, Tyler, some gaps. And so we saw that and we're like, all right, we didn't want to full pendulum swing to the other side. And I'll say, so to to plug women's discipleship a little <laughs> bit, there was when I was put in charge of women's discipleship, there was this long conversation of, is it a study or is it a group? And we're <laughs> like, well, we call everything groups around here. And I'm like, okay, but we're studying God's word. So I'm just going to call it a group and we're going to study God's <laughs> word. And that was my sneaky way Samantha. of like, in the same let's way get that, them both in there. In the same way that tons of churches that had Sunday school called what they did on Sunday morning groups. Yeah. But that group would meet in the same room mm-hmm. and yeah. the content would be the same. The same. Yeah. <laughs> and they I mean maybe it would be a little bit different, but yeah. Some yeah. some of our churches did that. People don't like change. And so yeah. sometimes you know you're kind of trying to sneak in a little yeah. bit of a change without changing the name. Yeah. And, but yeah. No, you you I mean, the women went ahead a bit and started to pioneer some of 
the educational space yeah. back in the church when yeah. we had been mostly home groups mm-hmm. and we had groups on site and off site and and yeah so so women were probably one of the first ones to start entering back into a Bible study space that was a bit of a hybrid. Yeah. Well, I'm super grateful for um, all the really bad women's Bible studies out there that pushed (laughs) us, sorry, but pushed us towards like, we're just going to teach them how to study God's word versus let's pick up the next so-and-so and and do their video driven. Mm. Um, But that's a tangent. (laughs) For the record, I'm I'm glad that we have further clarified what's happening in women's discipleship. But in the early days, it's not a mistake to call it a group because in sure. all of our contexts, exactly. there is group happening. That, now, that, so true. the time and the way that you spend that time is different. Mm-hmm. Um, but in each of our contexts uh, that we have discipleship, you're opening the scriptures with other people, yeah. a small group of people, yep. and you're asking the Lord to change you. Mm-hmm. And when those three ingredients are there, discipleship can happen. God, please change me. Transform me through your word and through your spirit and through these people that I've got around me. Um, and so it wasn't inaccurate to call it a group. It's right. just that we've we further clarified, which I think is helpful. Yeah, so. we we recognized the need for both. Yeah, mm-hmm. I th- it, so we we've all read a book um, that we like to talk about a lot. It's called Deep Discipleship. Mm-hmm. And um, back in 2020, when we were started wrestling with really how do we continue to increase bib- biblical literacy in the church, so that um, when they're when we're asking our small groups to do biblical a- application in their homes. And and they're going, how, you know, we're like, oh, we need to we need to be able to help equip people. And so a, a, a great quote out of that book was, when churches offer only classes or only small groups, they're expecting the classroom to do what the living room does best, and the living room to do what the classroom does best. But we, we recognize we need we need both, and that's kind of where where we are today. Mm-hmm. When we say groups, studies, and classes, it sounds like three contexts, but it's really just two contexts. So our groups are are the living room context, so to speak, mm-hmm. and then our classes and studies. They're both they're both a classroom context, but they have different emphasis. Mm-hmm. So we can let's let's break that down a little let's bit. Let's break people. that down. Yeah, I would like to hear Mitch tell us how classes specifically equip a disciple. And yeah. What is a class? That's a good question. So I I view a class as uh, really an on ramp to equipping people to be good study members or mm-hmm. to be good group members, and so. Um, a, a class is a 11 week deep dive into a, a theological topic. We do two classes around here, biblical theology and systematic theology, where we're trying to teach people what the whole Bible says about certain topics and what the, the whole story of the Bible, um, teach them how to study the Bible, teach them how the Bible is all one unified story that all points to Jesus, teaching them, um, you know, certain doctrines about who God is, who Christ is, who the Holy Spirit is. Uh, what salvation is, and so on and so forth, so that as they're learning to study the Word, as as they're helping being introduced to maybe worlds of knowledge they didn't even know existed, that they're they're hungry to to study more, and they're equipped, um, feeling more confident to share the gospel, more confident to take what they've learned and teach others and, and to love others. Um, and so then when they get in the group, uh, they can be better uh, group members yeah. in the sense that they are more equipped to, to study their Bibles and apply their Bibles and help pe- minister to people when they're when they're hurting or when they're suffering or when they're doubting or, or so on and so forth. And then, or if they're in a, a study, they're they've been equipped to to see the Bible, you know, from a, a bird's eye view and see how it's mm-hmm. all one story. And so they're they're studying one specific book of the Bible, but they're able to read it and study it in the context of the whole Bible and and see the the different doctrines that it h- helps teach. And so 
Um, I see a class as kind of equipping where it's it's kind of a one-time thing. It, it's not rhythmic where you do that and then you jump in a, a group and you do that for a, a season of life or you jump in a, a study and do that for a season of life. And um, I, I, it's, it's been exciting to see. I think, Ben, remind me how many classes we've done. So we've done our core classes, core scripture and core doctrine, uh, two and a half Yep. Uh, years now so we're about to we just finished our third season of core about to finish our fifth core class yeah yeah and then so. we've introduced a, kind of a second level just this year which is called academy and so that's a one-year dive into biblical theology and so at, having done core doc or core, sorry core scripture in 11 weeks i thought i knew what i needed to know <laughs> you know to, to to dive in and i was so wrong academy has been uh the highlight of my week it's the mm. it's the hardest time to get to at 3 30 in the afternoon on a sunday i just want to take a nap and at 6 30 in the afternoon on a sunday after i'm still standing around and talking and geeking <laughs> out after academy it, it was the favorite part of my week because how much it is just expanding my understanding of the context of the Bible so that my Bible study is better, mm-hmm. small groups, all those other contexts. Mm-hmm. So it, it just really, really has fundamentally changed even just the way I, I you know, interact with my own personal study. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what you're saying there is another goal of the class. It's not just to equip group members and study mm-hmm. members. It's to, to help, you know, awaken people to how amazing God's word is to want to seek uh, lifelong studiers, knowers, obeyers of the word of God who are, you know, hungry to, to study more, to dive deeper and that's what academy is for. It's for people who liked what they got in the core class and, and are hungry for more. And I think from the core classes and the what we're hearing from academy, the number one feedback we get is, you know, I feel more equipped to study my Bible. I feel more um, bold to share the gospel. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I have a deeper relationship with the Lord. So mm-hmm. those three yeah, those things really, really help Solid make wins. better studiers, yeah. better group <clears throat> members, and better disciples. Often and better, in and the first disciple few... makers. Yeah. You know, like the I think one of the main things, one of the main uh, things that happen when somebody might engage with somebody with the gospel is they get a little bit nervous. What if they ask me a question I want I won't mm-hmm. be able to answer? The truth is, is we all have questions we still don't have answers to. So you're never gonna exhaust it. But um it is it's um, emboldening when you mm-hmm. can feel confident. Like I've, I've actually, I've, I've swam in some pretty deep waters recently. I, I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna engage in this, <laughs> and I'm bold and I'm confident because I'm not as scared of the answer that I might not have. Yeah, so. and when you're studying the, you know, you're going book by book through the study, the story of the Bible, you're facing those hard questions because yeah. we're not mm-hmm. asking new questions. Right. Uh, these questions have been dealt with, and and God reveals everything we need to know for life and godliness. And so, <laughs> just as last last week in Academy, we were wrestling with. The problem of evil, and you know, our <laughs> people in the the class were saying how their their own uh, coworkers are are wrestling with that, and mm-hmm. that's a hurdle to them believing in you know the God of the Bible. And they're like, "Well, let me tell you what I'm learning, mm-hmm. and how uh, the problem of evil is not a problem for Christians; it's actually a, a bigger problem for non Christians." Yeah, as <laughs> as someone who's been leading people through like studying God's Word for several years now. Introducing, I'm so thankful for your oversight on it, because introducing biblical and systematic systematic theology to our people, they now read God's word looking for God versus answers to their little problems Amen. that they have. Mm-hmm. The Bible day. is about yeah. the word. Can you quickly explain what biblical theology is and how that's different from systematic oh, theology? Yeah, so we've got two out. classes. <laughs> we've got core scriptures, and that's uh, biblical theology. And yeah. we've got core doctrine, which is systematic theology. Help us, Help us understand... Let me start with core doctrine because that's uh, when most people think of theology, they think of systematic theology. Yeah. So systematic theology is topical where it asks, mm-hmm. what does the whole Bible say about a certain topic? So there's kind of 
10 major doctrines that, you know, buckets of the most doctrines can be put in. So the doctrine of God, who is God? What is he like? What's his nature? Um, who is, you know, so that the Trinity falls into that. And then there's the Christology, which is, who is Jesus, the person and work of Christ. There's pneumatology. So Holy Spirit, um, who he is and, and his divinity, such so, things like that. There's soteriology, which is salvation. So those, those are examples of Theologies. systematic <laughs> theology where it's topical. What does the whole Bible say about yeah. salvation and how to be saved? Biblical theology is is really, you know, systematic theology grows from the soils of biblical theology. Mm-hmm. So biblical theology is is not topical in, in asking what does the whole Bible say a certain topic. It, rather, it's tracing themes and, and patterns um, throughout the story of the Bible, helping you see how the Bible is all one unified story. And so biblical theology is actually pretty nuanced in how it can be defined. But what we're doing with the core scripture class is what we're, tr- we're trying to see how the whole Bible is is unified, is one unified story, and it's unified by these certain themes, um, such as the Messiah and, and who he is and, and the history of redemption and, and how God, what God is revealing in Genesis 1, 2, and 3 is really the acorn that is growing into oak trees throughout the, the rest of the story of the Bible, and that is all connected. And that Revelation 21 and 22, we need to read that through the lens of Genesis 1 and 2 and so on and so forth. So that's it's, a, good. It's fun is um, those who are participating, it's one thing to hear that, to hear oh, the Bible is one unified story. And and most people, what I think without ever having studied it, would be like, yeah, I, I get that. But they haven't, until they experience it, mm-hmm. that's when like the lights start going on, I think is one of the favorite parts of our our week is looking at, at people when they're like when they start to connect the dots and i think we've been modeling that honestly in other spaces as well so mm-hmm. if it, currently in our season as a church we're going through genesis line by line on sunday mornings in our in our worship services and in our bible studies men's and women's bible studies and young adults and other spaces we're going through exodus but the way that we are expositing that is also with a bent towards biblical theology and mm-hmm. so even if you're not you haven't gone through core doctrine, you're experiencing, mm-hmm. sorry, core scripture, you're experiencing biblical mm-hmm. theology being modeled for you. Mm-hmm. And and people are picking up on that. They're like, oh, that's cool. And we're like, yeah, that's, that's what we're doing in the core scripture class. Mm-hmm. And then the ones that are in those classes are just like, it's amazing. Yeah. So, and yeah. biblical theology is how you can preach Christ from Genesis 1, 2, yeah. and 3 and not just allegorize it, but show, <laughs> no, this is Moses. You know, Jesus said to the Pharisees, you search for eternal life in the scriptures, thinking that... In, then we have eternal life, but Moses wrote about me. Mm-hmm. Before and, Abraham was, I am. Yeah. Yeah. And Jesus so, is the greater Adam, the greater Moses, the greater Noah. Or this is my Sienna. the cup of my new covenant. Well, what's the old covenant, and what does that mean, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm in my 40s, and I've read the Bible multiple times. I went to a Christian school. I studied these things, but no one had ever actually connected the dots for me in such a way. Mm-hmm. And so I find myself saying what I hear a lot of our students say as well is, mm-hmm. how am I this old, and yeah. I've gone to church this long, and I'm just now hearing this for the first time. And it's not new. I don't want, I don't want to stigmatize that and be like, this is a new thing. But like it's new to us sometimes because no one no one before has actually connected those dots for us. Yeah, that's been consistent feedback for classes specifically is like, I grew, I've been in the church for years and I have never seen this. And mm-hmm. I just think that um, honestly as a leader in the church, it's such a blessing to be like, praise the Lord that we get to be a part of like the like, I don't know, your eyes are just opening up. This morning, so we it's Wednesday as we're recording this, um, our last Bible study through Exodus, I had a woman come up to me, met her for the first time today. Uh, her name's Becky, and she just like, I just want to thank you. She's like, I have been a Christian f- for a long time, 
I've been in church for a long time, but I've never been to a Bible study. And she's like, I have learned so much through this study. And I just was like, praise the Lord. Like we, you know, we, um, I think I can sometimes take for granted how like, oh, we put the time in when we just pray over it and we hope people really learn. But when, when they come up to you and they're like, I have learned so much, it's just so exciting. And I don't even think that she's been through any of our classes yet. Mm-hmm. But to, to segue into Bible studies, maybe, since I'm talking. Um, <laughs> so Bible studies do a similar thing in teaching people how to be learners and studiers. And we're really sneaky about it. We like to give you the tools on how to study God's Word day by day. You're kind of doing the same thing throughout your study so that you have those tools to study God's Word on any time you're not in a Bible study. On your own? On your own. So um, it's basically inductive Bible study, right? You you read it, you interpret it, you think about it, you write some things down. We're just helping the student learn how to study God's Word on their own. Um, And I just, it's just so fun to hear people come up, women to me mostly, and be like, I can open my Bible now and read it and learn from it. That's I, I had the same thing. I I had a guy say that he'd been a Christian for 40 years, but this morning he said you know, he's never been in a church. He grew up in a church that just kind of preached topically. Mm. Um, but to be in a church that's going through Genesis, going through Exodus, verse by verse, he, he is um, having his view of God enlarged and deepened in, in a sense where he is learning who God is and what he's like. Um, and in the context of the story of the Bible, and he said it's changing how he views parenting. It's changing mm-hmm. how he is a father, as a husband, because his view of God is changing his view of his father, which is changing mm-hmm. how he is parenting. And so it's just it's so, many, so many cool things that he said. And another guy said, I've been a Christian for 50 years, and I've never seen this stuff before learning as well. So so exciting to see how the Bible is an infinite ocean Amen. of glory that we get to study together. I mean, that's, yeah, these, these spaces are, we're obviously, you know, not not only in the personal study time, but then just in the way that we're teaching the word in these spaces. So on on Sunday mornings and in our, our studies is to model proper exposition, to model mm-hmm. proper hermeneutics so that you're able to read the word on your own mm-hmm. and, and do that yourself as well. Yeah. And the model that we have both in stu- um, studies and classes is that you do your you do your own work on your own. You do some reading, you sit under some teaching who will hopefully like uncover anything that you maybe didn't quite figure out when you were doing your own study. And then one of my favorite parts for Bible study especially, but we do it in classes too, is you sit in a circle with people that have done the work together and face to face you kind of wrestle with God's word together and you get more applicational with it. Um, And so that's living out some of that group life there in room. It's not quite the same um, as small group and all of the group life and living out the gospel, it is very applicational. Um, and I, I like to say to our women, like, if you, if you don't practice talking about God with people who want to talk about Mm. God, then you're not going to do very good at it when you're ready to like, I want to share the gospel with that person, but I don't ever talk about these things. So it gives you safe space to talk and ask your questions too. So I love that part too, because it helps us see that studying God's word is not just for personal edification, but that you come and what, you know, what you've learned, you get to share and minister the word to others. So that's part of the goal of classes and mm-hmm. and studies is to not just equip you to know the word, but to mm-hmm. equip you to minister the word to mm-hmm. others. And it's not a competition. It's you're coming, you know, no matter where you're at, if you've been a Christian for 50 years or, you know, uh, a month, you can come and minister to others, be ministered to, 
as we all grow into Christ together. Each of us bring our own context too. I, I think one of the things I've appreciated in Academy is <clears throat> there's a there's a quite a range of ages and I would say backgrounds um, of the very small mm-hmm. number of people are, that are in this class, and yet some of the contexts from which they've come have aided in our ability. So, like I'm, I've read the the work, I've done the study, we're sitting and discussing with one another, and then someone from a different cultural background mm-hmm. is able to say. You know, oh well, the reason why it's significant that they said he was left-handed, this mm, prophet, yeah. is because, and then we got this huge yeah. backstory on what it means to be left-handed in the Middle Eastern cultures mm-hmm. because she'd lived that, mm-hmm. and so like we we uh, can crowdsource some things. So you're right, I can do all the study on my own, but I don't get as much out of it on my own as mm-hmm. I do yeah, when I'm sitting and talking We're with all a few other people together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. even and the you, teachers, and it's going to be hard to get a lot out of it on your own if you don't know how to study. Absolutely. Right. You don't know what the major story of the Bible is. And that's one of my favorite things as a home groups pastor about groups or about uh, the classes and the studies is it's equipping you to be a better group participant. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a lot of times in accountability, when we sit in accountability in groups, one of the questions we normally ask is how is your rhythmic, consistent time mm-hmm. with the Lord? Mm-hmm. Is it daily? Is it is it a habit? Or is it like this thing you forget and do occasionally? Um, and, you know, I mean, I've I've sat in a lot of groups and a statement, something like, yeah, I'm struggling to read my Bible as often as I should is what gets said. And I feel like when you actually know how to study the Bible and you can, you, you're able to, when you, when you engage it and you're able to draw out some of those nuggets that are there, um, it is so encouraging Mm -hmm. and it makes you want to go back to it the next day because it's alive for you in a way that maybe it wasn't before where you bypass some of those things because you just don't notice them. You just read and you're like, oh, I don't know what that was about, but hopefully <laughs> I'm supposed to do something for my life. So God, make that make sense and you start your day. But <laughs> but when you know how to study um, and when you know what the story is um, and you know what the Bible teaches about all these different things, you're able to bring those tools to a text and draw from it, um, and, and it and it becomes alive and then it motivates you for the next day. Motivate you mm-hmm. for the next day. Well, and as Mitch was saying, it gives you the tools to minister to your fellow believers. So, like in mm-hmm. small group contexts, when you when you're sharing burdens with one another, and you can say, "Well, I," so often this happens. If you're consistent in Scripture, God will bring you people who need the same Scripture that you've been yeah. reading that week, right? Mm-hmm. So, in small group contexts, when you're sharing burdens. You have this opportunity to say, man, God gave me this passage this morning, and I think it would really encourage you. Um, and so just ministering the word to one another in those contexts mm-hmm. is just really cool. You know, it's interesting. Um, this is a bit of a, a strange segue, but um, <laughs> as I think about how we've designed these classroom spaces a little bit, it's a little counterintuitive to, to what we maybe grew up with, where you would consume something from a teacher and then go talk about it and then go study it on your own. Mm. And yet, mm. um, the way we've designed both our, our studies and our classes is you do the work first in the Bible and you, you kind of hear from a lecturer last. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Why, why have we taken that approach? Yeah, I think that's a good question. The first thing that comes to mind is you know, in order to learn, uh, you have to start in the area of what is known, and then you go into the area of unknown. That's that's what learning is. You go from what you know, you have to start in the context of what you already know. Um, if you're just starting with the, where you have no idea what you're talking about, that's, you're not going to grow because you, you don't even know where, where you're at. And so um, it's helpful as the teacher to know that the person has been studying these things throughout the week because there's an assumed... Um, context that they've already studied these things, so you can you can just take them deeper then, 
And so if, if they weren't studying, then you always got to start at the beginning and you can't get that far. And yet as the teacher, we get to take them deeper because we know that they've already dug a little bit. They've been wrestling with these things. They've been thinking about them. And then we get to kind of just fill in the dots and, and you know, dot the, the I's and cross the T's for them. So that's the first thing that comes to mind. There's other things. What, what else do you guys think? I think one of the things is that when you have to fight for it yourself mm-hmm. and you get to the other side of some clarity, you own it a little bit more and mm-hmm. you're a little bit, you're a little bit more excited about it than if it's just handed to you. Absolutely. And I think you remember it better as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. It sticks with you. What every text that I've ever taught, mm-hmm. um, I remember more than when I was taught that passage by somebody else. So yeah. I think, yeah, just doing the work on your own beforehand, you're going to own it and be more excited about it. So. And you get to wrestle with it and kind of be curious and have the questions, knowing that you're going to go somewhere that you're going to get the answer. That's <laughs> so true. It is helpful like, to have that. Like, yeah. Like I can go ahead and pour over this and scratch my head and be like, I'm not sure, but I'll maybe this, I can't t- have some women sometimes that will come up after a week and be like, I'm not sure if I got the questions, the answers right. And I'm like, well, did you do like, there's no, I mean, there is right and wrong to the Bible, but like the questions that the answers that you write down is part of the learning yeah. process. Mm-hmm. They're personal. Yeah. So, um, I think that's n- a one way that helps people like you got to wrestle with it to make it your own. Um, we firmly believe in the minister of the word ministry of the word through, um, preaching on Sundays and in other contexts. Um, and we love when you like, you know, we're going through Genesis, Hey, read it before you show up on a Sunday morning, right? Think about it a little bit more than just letting us kind of chew it up for you and give it to Mm -hmm. you because you don't, you don't ingest as much. I don't know. That's, it's falling apart right there. You don't, (laughs) uh, we we, try to tell people, you don't, don't just take someone else's word for it. So even Micah would say, don't just take my word for it. You know, I, I want you to hold me to the authority of scripture. And so I think the reason we've designed our spaces like this is we we want you to have a firsthand approach to the word. Mm-hmm. And so it's very easy to crack open a book about somebody else's words about the Bible and just take that verbatim at its at face value, um, which is great. Uh, there's There are a lot of great books out there, but it's better, like you know, Tyler was saying, and, and Mitch, when you're, when you're diving into that first and wrestle with it first, you'll get more out of it. Mm-hmm. And then, and then we can fill in the gaps later. But it, it, it's your faith, and um, and it's your relationship with the word. And so, we value you having a firsthand approach before you take somebody else's word for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, an, an analogy we've used in the past is the difference between a, a restaurant and a cooking class. Yeah, mm-hmm. you go to a restaurant, you just order the food and you eat it, and someone else made it for you, and it tasted really good and it nourished you for that meal. But you don't know how to make it. Well, you go home. You, you just have to go back to the restaurant to get more. But a cooking class, you go and you learn. You you're nourished by that meal that you make in the class. But you're also taught how to make it, and mm-hmm. so that you can go home and apply that and, and feed yourself. And mm-hmm. so, the goal of a study or a class is to not just be fed, but to learn how to feed yourself, so you can teach others how to feed themselves. That's great. So that we're equipping you to make disciples. Is and then I like the idea of having a room full of chefs <laughs> that all know how to cook and bounce them Amen. off each other. Amen. That's such a good idea. We should also be offering cooking classes. Is that what you're saying? Uh, no, I mean, I think I was trying to stay with the analogy. Yeah, no, like, if everybody's a chef, <laughs> there's a you've spiritual got cooking yeah. classes. Yeah. We're, we're, we're killing the analogy. The bread alone. No, I oh, love man. that. But so, okay. So let's talk about the overwhelm of all the things that we love, right? Because we're like, uh, you know, Ben is selling everyone that's listening right now on sign up for the next round of Academy. I'm in that and I would be like, you want to you want to do that. It's amazing. Um, but we're also really geeked out about our studies. We love our small groups and what happens there. So how does a listener say, where, do, which one do I need to do all of that? I also have, you know, 
a lot going on in my life. How do I make room for that? So what do you have to say about making space? Like, how do you choose? I want to, I want, I want to hear from Ben on that. But before <laughs> we do, I just want to be clear. Groups and classes, I'm sorry. Studies and classes. Studies and classes are 11 weeks long. That's right. And I think yep. there's a yep. reason behind a that. Point. 11 mm-hmm. weeks long, twice uh, a year. So yep. short-term Fall commitment. semester and spring semester, but it's not spring. It's like winter and then mm-hmm. mud semester. <laughs> uh, <so laughs> mud. Yeah. So sh- shorter season, heavy workload, and then a little bit of a reprieve. I just, I just want to be That's clear on that. That's a great point. Yeah, and yeah. groups are more ongoing. We actually didn't dive into groups as much. So we've been talking about the the classroom context. Before we discern how, how do you how to choose, choose which space you go into, maybe we should just look yeah. at the living room just a little bit and talk about that before we unpack where do I go from here. I think groups are primed for accountability, belonging, and care. Call the ABCs of groups. Mm-hmm. Um, so accountability that there might be bits of accountability that happen in your Bible study. Hey, did you read? What did you get from it this week? Or how's that thing going in your life? But it's quick. Um, much more t- time is devoted to the teaching, right. the the public teaching of the mm-hmm. word in that context. Same thing in core. There's a public teaching component. Well, in a two hour group time ends up being more like two and a half, something like that for a lot of our groups. There's not that public teaching component, and so you've got that time. And so, how do we spend that time? Well, we we discussed. Uh, the word. Um, a lot of our groups share a meal or do some snacks. There's a discussion around um, things. And then we break off into men uh, hang out with men and women hang out with women. And we dive deeper into accountability. And that's where we ask some of those questions. How's your time with the Lord going? Is it is it authentic? What's the Lord teaching you from his word? Um, how have you been proclaiming the gospel to people that don't know it? Uh, how are you waging war against sin? You know, fleeing temptation, those kinds of things. So, so that's one of the things that I love about what groups do. And um, so, so there's some strong accountability, uh, belonging. I mean, there is still a, uh, a great thing to be said about just knowing who your people are. And in a church of our size, it can be a little bit difficult. You walk mm-hmm. into the room and you're like, I don't even know where to start. Mm-hmm. It's, it can be intimidating. But if you know where a few of your people in your group sit, you can sit with them on a Sunday, which is great. But then even if it's not, even if I don't really interact a ton with my group on Sunday, um, I'm hanging out with new guests and things like that. But but you, they're there, and I got my people in, in my in my church, You're and, see and they're my people throughout the week. We we have a text thread that's blowing up every day. I think I had to do not disturb on my phone before I walked <laughs> in here because there's gifs and likes and all of that. It's been great. Um, and so there's some belonging, and it's nice to know. Man, I've got some people that know me better, and I know better than the than the larger room. And then care. So so two kinds of care: soul care. Um, so man, I've got stuff going on in my life, either a. a significant season of suffering, or maybe it's a sin issue that I'm struggling with. And I've got folks that can wrap around me and, um, through the scriptures and just through the use of their hands can be a benefit to me, can care well for me and I can care well for them. So really practical things right now, it's things like raking each other's leaves. Um, the group, the whole group can come together and throw in on a project for other people from time to time. So there's really practical care. And then there's really spiritual soul care mm-hmm. as well. So those are the three things that I, I love that groups do really well. Some of the favorite stories we hear every week, even shared in prayer requests, et cetera, or at our members meeting, people standing up and, and sharing about groups uh, ministering to one another. It, it is those stories of what we say, kind of doing life together, mm-hmm. um, or you would you would describe as living out the one another's in scripture, right. which, which you should unpack. But the yeah. s- stories behind those really are when we, when we realize what groups are really, really about. It's, mm-hmm. It's um, bearing one another's burdens and and sitting with somebody through a hard time, praying with each other, or or yeah, raking leaves of them, or maybe a neighbor that needs help. And so you can minister together 
uh, to neighborhoods. That's the best way for us mm-hmm. to be in all of our, our community is because we have, you know, we have small groups that are in various neighborhoods and they can affect neighborhoods better than we can as the big C church. Mm-hmm. But talk a little bit about the one another's at work in a small yeah. group. So, um, there are some one another's that you can practice really well on a Sunday with a lot of people that you don't know very well. Um, but they get a lot easier to practice and a lot more, a lot more potent. I'm going to say that word. Did I that like come that. Out, but come yeah, no, that came out that great. But powerful. can you t- tell us what, where the one, the phrase one another's comes from first. <laughs> Oh man, it's all over the scriptures. So okay. <laughs> um, there's tons of commands all over the scriptures about the ways that we should be towards one another. Mm-hmm. So uh, the, the vast encompassing one and the f- most frequent one is just love one another. Yeah. You see that a ton in scripture. Love one another, bear each other's burdens, spur each other on or stir each other up, maybe if, mm-hmm. maybe your Bible translation says. Um, belong to one another. Mm-hmm. Um, um, bear each other. I said bear each other's burdens. Um, submit. Submit, encourage one another. So the better you know the people in your life, the better you're going to be able to bear their burden. I'll, I'll want to bear the burden of the person sitting next to me at, at church. And maybe I can sense a little something and offer to pray, but it's different in my group with the people I know well. I, I know your burden, so I can bear it in a way that I don't know how to bear their burden. Um, and sometimes it's really practical things, and sometimes it's you know it's just different things. So the better you know the people in your group, the better you're going to be able to practice some of those one another's. I think that's the best expression mm-hmm. of, of a lot of the one another's that we, we want to practice well. I, I want to stir you up. I don't know how God has designed you. I don't know how he's made you that you're not operating in your full potential. Um, but man, if I know you really well and I know you've got this this ability that you're just kind of mm-hmm. underusing because you're not confident or whatever, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spur you on for that. Accountability is difficult to come right away if you aren't first practicing some of those uh, one another's. We, we have to know one another so that I can know how to stir up. I can't stir up Mitch or encourage Mitch if I don't know Mitch. And I might not even be able to love him, serve him, or submit to him if I don't know him well. But because we're practicing those things, it becomes easier for us to know one another and hold one another accountable. There's a trust that comes with that. Mm-hmm. And so that, that, that's a, that doesn't happen overnight. And, and none of these things, I, I, we should... We should acknowledge that, you know, when you take a class or a study, you did, you, it's not just like, you know, a magical wand and all of a sudden, you know, everything you need to know, or uh, we can do all these things. It, it does take time. Yeah. And so, yeah. I love talking about groups. We we did an episode uh, 15 on power of small groups. If you want to learn more about small groups <laughs> and uh, go, we go dive into, that. man, yeah, yeah just, that was yeah, a great one. What we just talked mm-hmm. about was like, man, I really want to get in one of those. Yeah. And that resonates with me. Go back and listen to the. the I mean, it really there. does remind us that <clears> when we talked about church's family, I mean, that's really, but when you think about equipping, um, when I think about the church, the gospel study equipping our people, I think the way that we do that in small group is that we give them people to link arms with. Mm-hmm. And um, and move forward together in the ways that God's called us. So you asked then. Yeah. Okay, so we just made everything sound so sweet and awesome, and I want to be in all how of it. How do I do it all? Yeah. How you know? How does one discern? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I, I have limited time. I also have to mow the lawn. You know, do my dishes, get groceries, etc. So get in children. a small group so someone will offer to do that for <laughs> <Yeah>. you. <laughs> get your leaves taken care of. I'm just kidding. No, yeah, I kind mean, of, but yeah, we we have these spaces. Not everybody can obviously jump into all, all of them at once. There, you may be in a season in which you could do one or two, yeah. and um, and it could be challenging. But it could mm-hmm. be the good kind of challenging. Um, a question we would typically ask someone is, uh, you know, 
Is there something that you wouldn't necessarily gravitate towards because it sounds challenging to you, mm-hmm. but is it what you need? Yeah. And often when we're even evaluating what we do as a church, and you'll hear in future episodes about simple church, and you know, there's a lot of things we could do. We try to do best things. Um, but we also try to do things that are going to equip our people. Mm-hmm. And so um, we ask, you know, what do they need? Not mm-hmm. necessarily what do they want? And so we need to ask that of ourselves as well. And, and honestly, in prayer, through the Spirit, Lord, what does my discipleship need in this next season? Mm-hmm. Does that look different than a context I've been in? Sometimes mm-hmm. we can grow stale uh, when we stay in the same place for, for very long. So that is sometimes maybe the most important question is what, what can I challenge myself in that would be a different environment than the one I normally gravitate towards? But um, I think some of the other larger questions are going to be in that is, you know, if, if, I, if I need community, then obviously I'm probably going to gravitate towards a small group. Maybe I have a thriving Bible study time on the on my own, and I, and I have some people that I talk to with about that, but I'm just not known in the church. So maybe I jump into a group this season. But I mean, what are some of the other questions that we typically ask people as we as we're interacting and they're trying to discern? Hey, uh, you guys are telling me a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I can't do them all. Mm-hmm. What you know? What are some of your experiences in the lobby when when you're answering those questions? Yeah, I think deep discipleship is helpful here where they help define discipleship as learning Christ in the context of community where we have groups um, in all of our contexts, groups, studies, classes are going to have both of those elements, learning and community. They're just going to emphasize different things. So groups is going to emphasize community, but there's going to be aspect of learning where groups and, and studies and classes are going to emphasize learning, but there's still community. So I think a, a, just a good question is not not you know, kind of what you said, not what do I want, but what do I need? Mm-hmm. Um, what do disciples need? Discipleship, deep discipleship asks that as well. So do you feel like in your walk with Christ, you need uh, to learn more about his word, to study his word? Um, to, you know, you can always learn more, mm-hmm. um, it, is it, but are you lacking the ability to study God's word on your own? Then that might be a good time to be in a, a study or a class. Um, or if it's, no, I, I know how to study God's Word. I, I love the Word. I've been studying it a long time, but I need help uh, being held accountable to obey it, and I, I need mm-hmm. help uh, doing this in community. And then that's more maybe you're in a season to be in a small group. Yeah, I think the other thing I would ask is how do I how, how might the Lord be wanting to equip me for the next thing? Where do I feel um, like I'm not quite living on mission like I could be? Um, and, and how might a group or a class or a study cause me to look more like Jesus and then be a better disciple maker, not just a better disciple. Yeah, I think that's great. It's not just what's best for me. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. how, do, how does the Lord want to use me? How do mm-hmm. I want to serve? Mm-hmm. And how can I be equipped to do that or be in an environment to do that? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the whole the whole sentence is stir each other up towards love and mm-hmm. good works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I should clarify. So uh, Tyler alluded to this earlier. Our, our groups are rather ongoing. And our while our Bible studies tend to be about 11-week, runs, um, they are technically ongoing as well. We're, we're, we're always either in a season or about to be in a season of mm-hmm. doing a Bible study. And the classes then, by nature, are a little bit more kind of one and done. We would actually suggest that, and we hope, honestly, that everyone who calls Gospel City Church yep. their home as a member here would at some point go through both of the core classes, maybe take Academy, yep. and then jump back into mm-hmm. one of the contexts they came from. So in the early days, as we were, you know, we were wrestling through this, 
we could have been tempted to think that one of you know introducing one environment would cannibalize the other, but we've all collectively learned is these actually complement mm-hmm. one another really mm-hmm. well. Yeah. And so don't feel guilty if you're like, ah, I've been in this small group for five years. Should I really pause for a season and take this class? What would you say, mm-hmm. Tyler? As the group's pastor, mm-hmm. I knew that when we launched Core, there would be a, a, a decent number of people who would mm-hmm. want to take it, and that might do some things to our group. Completely okay with it. Valued that, saw it, uh, not threatened by it at all. Let's go. I mean, there's more. You're going you're gonna to come out of that class way more equipped to jump into the same small group or another small group um, and, and go to town on, on being a, a, a better formed disciple, able to make disciples, able to practice some of those one another's a little bit better because you've got more knowledge from the scriptures mm-hmm. to, to help somebody through their thing. So I think it's great. I think it's a great partnership. That's right. All three of them. And this not only just equips us as disciples, but technically what we're talking about is is really also for the purposes of equipping leaders. And so maybe we can kind of just camp out on that for just a second is how do participating in things like classes and studies and even groups equip people to become better leaders? Yeah, that's a good question as well. I When I think about how the Bible uh, thinks about equipping leaders, I think that um, it emphasis is making followers of Jesus mm-hmm. and um, good followers of Jesus are good leaders of other followers of Jesus. So Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Mm-hmm. And Paul was obviously a really good leader. Mm-hmm. And so um, in, you know, the idea there with classes and groups and studies is, is to not just make consumers, but mm-hmm. to make disciple makers, to equip people to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And so we're trying to teach people about Jesus so that they can know Jesus, so that they can love Jesus, so they can worship Jesus. Because as we say, or as Jen Wilkins says, I guess you can't worship. (laughs) You can't love what you don't know. Yeah, you can't love what you don't know. You can't worship what you don't know. And so as you worship Jesus, you become like Jesus. Mm -hmm. And if you are becoming like Jesus, then you will be encouraging others to follow Jesus. And if you're encouraging others to follow Jesus, then you will by nature be a leader. Mm-hmm. And if you are growing in that way as and, you know, in your spiritual formation, then God will provide the the ministry, provide the, the areas for you to lead. As the scripture says, He we don't earn ministry, he gives us the ministry. Yeah. Um, and so Paul considers his ministry a mercy of God given given to him from the Lord. Um, so that, that, that's kind of what I would say to that. Let's yeah, go. we um, want to equip a d- the disciple. We want to be disciple makers here. So just dial back and remind yourself, what is, what is a disciple? Because it's not a term that we use out in the world that often, right? So a disciple, if you, if you recall back in Scripture, a disciple was somebody who followed a teacher to learn what they knew, to learn how to live like them, to learn what they were teaching. And so they modeled their life after that person. So just what you're saying um, is that we want to show people Jesus so that they can model living like Jesus. Um, so a disciple's a learner, they're a follower, and then to be a disciple maker, you're going to be a really bad disciple maker if you're not a good disciple first. Mm-hmm. And so we want to equip good disciples. Thanks for listening to For the City, a podcast of Gospel City Church. If you found this episode helpful, we would love it if you'd share it with a friend, And make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. We'll see you next time.